Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The portal may be closed. You may not be able to put your name in there anymore, but I promise you college football continues to roll on. The madness of the portal is still upon us. We have a lot of updates to get into. Casey Thompson took a visit to Auburn, Alabama. Would he be a fit with the Tigers? I don't want to be too presumptuous, but would he fit at Auburn in terms of what they want to do schematically and what they need for 2023? We'll discuss that. Dylan Raiola and the RPM, they just continue to roll on in terms of his trend towards the dogs. Right now, it's at 70% favoring Georgia. If you remember correctly, there was a point in time where USC was in the lead on the RPM. Heck, Nebraska made a little bit of noise when he showed up there unannounced. What do we make of the RPM trend right now for Georgia? And what would it mean if the dogs were to land the number one quarterback in 2024 i'm telling you there's a lot of portal madness going on i told you we're going to talk about the latest from the portal but also how about these guys that have already found their homes guys that found a home during spring football i'm not talking about the best transfers though some of these guys could definitely fit that category as well i want to talk about the guys that are the biggest impact transfers who could have the biggest ripple effect on their team and i guess as a whole the college football landscape and here's the deal y'all there's a guy who hit the portal actually last year, and he's now at Oklahoma, and he played last season, but I'm buying Oklahoma stock, and I'm buying stock in Dylan Gabriel, and I'll tell you exactly why here at the end of this show. Get in the live chat right now. Nick Brake, the keeper of the queue, is holding it down. Get us your questions. If you get those in sooner, we'll be able to answer those better. Kind of a first-come, first-served deal. Everyone on podcast, we appreciate y'all. If you got the AirPods in, you're listening in the car, whatever it is, we appreciate y'all, and we love y'all. And I'm so fired up that college football is a year-round sport, and we get to talk about it accordingly. So as I was saying, with college football being a year-round sport, let's go ahead and take a look at the transfer portal. The portal has closed, meaning you can no longer put your name in. Grad transfers excluded. But with that being said, guys can still commit. There's a lot of guys out there right now, high-profile players, that are out in the portal and that are going to make some team very, very happy. Now, one team that's unhappy right now, at least, is Michigan State. And that's because both Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne have jumped in the portal. Let's start with Keon Coleman, though. He's a wide receiver, about six foot four, 215 pounds, was expected to be the wide receiver one for them this coming season in East Lansing. And here's the deal with Keon Coleman. He's good regardless of the portal window that we're in. For some of these guys, their value is going to skyrocket because it's that second portal wave and people are scrambling to put rosters together. Like if Keon Coleman was in that first portal window, he still would have been one of the top wide receivers available. He's been productive, 58 receptions, 798 yards, seven touchdowns during his career at Michigan State. It is not ruled out that he could eventually come back to Michigan State, but the good folks at Spartan Mag, our Michigan State on three site, they have implied that with the nature of college football being as it is with NIL and, and all of that, they felt like both Peyton Thorne and Keon, and Keon Coleman felt it was in their best interest to test the open market. Now, a guy like Keon Coleman also played basketball at Michigan State, so he's a one-on-one -on -one nightmare, could help a variety of teams. The buzz right now is around Oklahoma and LSU. 
Now, LSU is interesting because Keon Coleman's actually from the state of Louisiana. So keep an eye on him. I'm sure the Tigers would be very happy to land the services of Keon Coleman. But again, do not rule it out that he could return to Michigan State. Now, as we mentioned previously, his quarterback is also in the portal. Peyton Thorne, at the time of us being live right now, is the top quarterback available in the transfer portal. It's productive, two-year starter. It was assumed he'd be a three-year starter, even though they had a little quarterback battle going on down there in East Lansing. He's thrown for over 6,000 yards in his career, 49 touchdowns. The resume kind of speaks for himself. I think he's a, a pretty high-floor option, if you will. There's smoke around Auburn, a, a lot of rumblings around them potentially getting him on a visit. We'll keep an eye on that as that continues to develop. But for me, Peyton Thorne is more of an elevator for that room or for whatever team you get. I don't know if he makes you a college football playoff contender, depending on where he lands. But for teams that need a quarterback, like I was just saying, Auburn or heck, even Florida, depending on what they feel about with their quarterback room, he's going to elevate the talent in that room. At best, he's your starting quarterback. At worst, he provides better competition for whoever does end up winning that job. So Peyton Thorne, a guy with a lot of experience, would make a lot of teams happy were they to land his services. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at JDPakel. Want to make sure that we involve y'all as much in the show as possible. And you subscribing and then follow me on the socials is a great medium for us to do that. Appreciate y'all without the way. Casey Thompson made headlines last week when he jumped into the transfer portal. Shortly thereafter, was reported by our own Auburn Live that he was on a visit at Auburn. Now, everybody knows Auburn, they're probably in the market. I'll take that back. They are in the market for a transfer quarterback. There's no probably about it. Hugh Freeze has been very clear. We are open to anybody and everybody that can make us better at Auburn. That includes the quarterback position. Now, Peyton Thorne and Casey Thompson, should you have your pick between those two? I have my own thoughts on that. We'll talk about it later in the show. But for me, he's a one-year solution. He's got one year left, and it makes sense when you take a step back why he left Nebraska. He's got one year of eligibility. He would have been in a quarterback battle with Jeff Sims. And oh, by the way, Casey Thompson coming off injury, didn't get spring practice with a new staff. The writing was kind of on the wall to at least be a very competitive battle. And maybe in Casey Thompson's eyes, he said, hey, I got one year. I don't want to risk that one year sitting on the bench. I want to go to the league. I'm trying to get some tape on the resume. So a lot of smoke around Auburn. I think he's a good fit there. Spoiler alert for what we're about to talk about here in just a second. But Casey Thompson is another good option for a variety of teams in the portal. If it's not Auburn, again, I'd be curious to see what happens at a place like Florida. I'd be curious to see what these other schools look at with a guy like Casey Thompson. He's a power five starter at multiple schools. Won the job at Texas, won the job at Nebraska. If he were to end up at an SEC school like Auburn, I think that would make a lot of sense, and I don't think the lights would be too bright for him. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show. Another surprising transfer portal name that popped up was Micah Pittman, slot wide receiver from Florida State. Talked to the good folks over there for the Florida State on three site, and they said, yeah, this was kind of a surprise to everybody. Nobody's 100% sure as to why he jumped in the portal, what prompted this. A guy that contributed for you last year, really good in the slot, 32 receptions, three touchdowns. He's going to be a grad transfer coming off of hip surgery, and there's a lot of smoke around him returning to the West Coast. He's from California. Arizona State could be in the mix here with Kenny Dillingham having recruited him at Florida State. 
there's smoke around a Utah or a USC. So keep an eye on that. But the Pac-12 feels like it could be a landing spot for him. Whoever gets him is getting a really solid option in a slot wide receiver. And again, a guy who will be on his third school, but he's a grad transfer. So he was out of Oregon, he was at Florida State. He'll be somewhere else next season, by the way things look right now. Now, here's another slot wide receiver that I think is, is kind of going under the radar with some of these bigger names that have jumped in the portal. But Cody Epps is 5'11", 187 pounds from BYU. He's got three years left of eligibility. He's a guy that's going to help a team, not just for this coming season, but for years to come. And there's a lot of teams out there that need help in the wide receiver room. Auburn's already offered. Ole Miss is offered. Miami's offered. Colorado's offered. He's a guy that has been productive so far. 39 catches, 459 yards, six touchdowns. He immediately elevates the talent in that wide receiver room. And he helps a lot of those schools out in rooms that, quite frankly, are a little bit scarce right now when it comes to wide receiver talent. So Cody Epps, not the biggest name, but with the years of eligibility he has left and the production he's already put forth at the Power 5 level, Power 5, well, I guess BYU is going to be Power 5 next, next year. Uh, BYU plays a Power 5 schedule pretty clear that he's going to help somebody. His resume speaks for itself there as well. Now, Jalen Key is a safety, six foot two, 185 pounds. He is the number one available safety in the transfer portal right now. He has released the top six. That includes schools like Alabama, schools like Ole Miss, Florida State. Florida State is intriguing to me because Jalen Key's from Tallahassee. So whenever these guys jump in the portal, especially guys like a Jalen Key who are maybe transferring up, do they want to get back home, go play in front of the family, go, go play in front of the friends? That makes a lot of sense to me. And I was talking to one of our reporters over on Warchant yesterday about potentially adding Jalen Key if Florida State were to land his services. Jalen Key feels like he could be one of those pieces that when you look back on the 2023 season for Florida State, you say, Man, that was one of the key ads that we got in the second portal cycle. Played next to Fentrell Cypress. Was a guy that really helped us shore up the secondary. So again, Alabama wants him. Ole Miss wants him. A lot of schools want him. I just wonder if he's going to be one of the missing pieces should Florida State end up landing him. Because we're all on the same page here. Florida State, they got a lot in front of them in 2023. They've built to a year like this. They've done a lot through the portal. A lot of success through the portal. Does adding Jalen Key add that missing piece that they need on defense. Curious to find out. Now, let's uh, talk about someone who's actually committed here to wrap this thing up. How about Lorenzo Styles? You may know that name because he was a wide receiver at Notre Dame. Six foot one, about 185 pounds, I believe. He's not going to be playing receiver at Ohio State. He's going to be playing corner. This is significant because he was switched during spring ball at Notre Dame from receiver to corner, then he hits the portal. And the immediate thought was, well, he just wants to play receiver somewhere else. No, no, he wants to play corner, it sounds like. Understands corner is his future, but he's going to do so in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio State makes sense for a variety of reasons. He's got family ties there. His dad, plays, his dad played there. His little brother's there right now, Sonny Styles, who's a talented up-and-comer they're excited about. Lorenzo Styles is not going to be a guy they thrust into playing in 2023. I'm not going to say I'd be shocked if he ended up playing, but the thought for Lorenzo Styles is a guy with multiple years of eligibility, a guy who's playing a new position, and a position that Ohio State needs some depth at. So they're going to let him develop, let him figure out how to play corner well, 
and he's going to be a guy that I think contributes a little bit later on for Ohio State, but a talented athlete. You love the size at six foot one, kind of fits into the modern college football mold around corners that can match up with bigger receivers. I'm excited to watch what Lorenzo Styles ends up becoming. Just making that transition from receiver to corner. A lot of guys have done it well. Richard Sherman being a perfect example of what he did, and he did it at the NFL level, but going from receiver to corner. It's been done before, and it's been done at elite levels, so watch Lorenzo Styles down there in Columbus, Ohio. Appreciate everyone tuned in live right now, man. We got a great crowd. Glad to have you all a part of this. Shout out to the podcast. If you like podcasts, you're like an Apple person, a Spotify person, whatever kind of person that you are when it comes to podcasts, you can find us if you type in The Hard Count with J.D. Pacquiao into your search bar. I promise you will pop right up. And uh, go ahead and leave a five-star review for us, too. Helps us enormously. All right. We talked about it a little bit previously in the show, but I want to really hone in on this right now. Casey Thompson transferring from Nebraska to who knows where. Took a visit to Auburn this past weekend. And I'm always interested by the timing of these visits in the Portal Friday on a visit to Auburn the following weekend. Coincidence? I think not. I think there's a lot of smoke around Auburn. Talked to some people close to that situation, and they said Auburn left that visit feeling really good about where they sit with KC Thompson. So I want to ask the question, does this make sense? Would this be a fit for KC Thompson at Auburn? Would Auburn have a, a fit with adding KC Thompson into their situation? It'd be a talent upgrade, but is it a fit? That's where I really want to focus in right now. For KC Thompson, I think it makes a lot of sense for his situation. He's got one year left and you walk into that quarterback room in Auburn, Alabama, and you are the best quarterback in that room. Still have to win the job, still have to get comfortable in the offense, still have to win the locker room. It's a very big deal with transfer quarterbacks, especially after having missed the spring. But talent-wise, you're the guy when you step in. The other piece of this is the quarterback-friendly system that Hugh Freeze and Phillip Montgomery have in place at Auburn. It's a lot of run-pass option. It's up-tempo. It plays well to a quarterback's skill set, but specifically Casey Thompson's skill set because of his dual-threat capabilities. You look at Hugh Freeze and the success he's had with guys like Malik Willis. Philip Montgomery coached up guys like RG3. Got himself a nice little Heisman Trophy. So the skill set and the system marry really well. I think fit, especially for transfer quarterbacks, quarterbacks that have one year, like a Casey Thompson, I like the marriage there. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, on top of that, as I was alluding to, both Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, they have a really strong track record of helping different quarterbacks be successful and different quarterbacks with different skill sets. Like Case Keenum, pocket passer. Philip Montgomery, got him to the league. Case Keenum's still in the league, I believe. RG3, I was just talking about him. Very different player than Case Keenum. Got him a Heisman Trophy at Baylor. Malik Willis. Wasn't able to get it done at Auburn, comes to Liberty, goes and gets drafted. So I'm just saying, I think Hugh Freeze and Phillip Montgomery, their track record with quarterbacks, if I'm Casey Thompson, that is enormously attractive to me. Enormously attractive. So if Casey Thompson wants to go play in the NFL, I'd be looking at who's going to help me develop, and I'm looking at which system do I fit best in. And Auburn, for the reasons I just mentioned, I think checks a lot of those boxes. So that's the Casey Thompson side of things. Really quickly, subscribe to the channel, follow me on Twitter, follow me on the gram, at JD Paquel. Y'all, we got to do it. We got to make sure we throw that in there so y'all can join the party with us. Just subtle reminders, okay? Subtle reminders are key. Appreciate you for that. Now, is it a fit for Auburn? That's what we got to ask here. Because for Casey Thompson, I see all the fit in the world, but 
For Auburn, is he a fit? Well, same thing I was just saying with Casey Thompson. You upgrade the quarterback room. Okay, you upgrade the talent in that quarterback room. The big variable for me is, are you able to build around him appropriately? Like, are, are there other wide receivers that you get through the portal here in this cycle that can step up? Do you have guys on your roster that eventually blossom into what you think they could be? Does Camden Brown end up translating to that wide receiver one kind of role in his second year at Auburn? I don't know. It's a very big piece of this. But if you don't have the wide receivers around this quarterback, well, then we never really get to see what Casey Thompson would be at Auburn. So that's a big variable. But the overall feeling I have on this is if you add Casey Thompson – your ceiling for your team just gets bumped much higher, in my mind at least. Like with Robbie Ashford right now, I've told you before, I think you can be hopeful to win right around eight games. And that's great. Eight games your first year for Hugh Freeze, that'd be significant improvement. You're playing for a bowl game. Like eight games I think is solid. But to have that be your ceiling, ugh. You know, I, I don't know if I feel tremendous about that. I don't know if I want to put our ceiling at eight games. For Casey Thompson, if you add him to that roster and you put him into that offense, I think Auburn's win total ceiling, again, this is the ceiling, I think it's somewhere around 9 or 10 wins. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm not saying Auburn becomes an SEC title contender. I'm just saying the games that you're able to play in with Casey Thompson as your starting quarterback, with his dual threat abilities, and with what he can do pushing the ball vertically, I think that gives you a much higher ceiling for win total and for how you can play these different games, okay? Because you're going to have a really good backfield. I think the offensive line is going to be substantially improved with what they did through the portal. The defense, they've retooled that through the portal as well, so it's going to be improved from a talent perspective. But if you have the quarterback better and have the wide receivers step up, Auburn could be cooking, all right? They could be cooking with gas down there. Now, here's the other piece of this that I don't know gets talked about enough in this conversation. Auburn is also, from what I'm hearing, intrigued at the prospect of adding someone like a Peyton Thorne. Now, Peyton Thorne, we talked about him earlier in this live show, but he transfer, he is transferring, he's in the portal at least, from Michigan State, and we'll see what happens with him. We'll see who else vies for his services. But Peyton Thorne, on paper, could be a two-year option for you. He'll be draft eligible after this coming season, but if he wants to, he could stay in Auburn, Alabama for two years should you end up going with Peyton Thorne. So the conversation then becomes, do we add Peyton Thorne and hope he stays for two years, or do we add Casey Thompson because we feel like he gives us a better chance for one year? And that's, of course, a big if, if you feel like he does give you a better chance. For me personally, I would take Casey Thompson over Peyton Thorne, and here's why. I think Casey Thompson, as a dual-threat quarterback, is more dynamic I think he allows you to potentially cover up some things that you're not yet sure about on the offensive line. You got better through the portal, but are we positive that's going to be buttoned up and, and good to go when it comes to 2023 so he can escape some trouble with his legs? And also, I just love the fact that he is a little bit more in the spotlight. Like, like he's been through adversity here. He played at Texas. We all know how bright that spotlight is at Texas. Played at Nebraska, also a very visible brand. Took his lumps there. He's going to get to the SEC, and it'll be new, sure. But I think with the battle scars he has, I like, I like the way he matches up with where Auburn is right now. Year one, no one's really given Auburn much of a chance. Saying it's going to take some time. Casey Thompson, he's got one year, man. He's got one year left to make his NFL dream come true. 
He's a little bit desperate in a good way, not a negative way, in a good way. He's desperate, like a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run fast, man. That's just the reality. So here's the deal. 2023 is a very big year for Auburn in the sense of putting together a trajectory for what they're going to be down the road. And trajectory is huge for what? Recruiting. I would take the one year with Casey Thompson over two years with Peyton Thorne because if I get a solid one year in 2023, and let's say Auburn does go win eight, nine games, well, then I can pitch to recruits, hey, listen, you see what we're doing here, right? First year, we already won eight games, nine games. Come be a part of this. Saw what Casey Thompson did in this offense? Come be a part of this. If Peyton Thorne ends up being your quarterback, I'm not saying you can't do the same thing, but if you feel like Casey Thompson is more dynamic, and I do, I think that's the way that you go. Take the one good year and sell the trajectory of the program going forward. So that's how I feel about Casey Thompson. That's how I feel about Auburn. But to be honest, I think either of those guys would be an upgrade, and I think that the majority of Auburn faithful would agree with that sentiment. Okay, so here I want to jump into some Dylan Raiola talk here because his RPM is leaning heavily towards Georgia. The GOAT in Athens, Rusty Mansell, joined on three and put in a pick for Dylan Raiola. So I want to break that down, but really quick, I want to plug this. Dogs HQ is our Georgia on three site, which Rusty Mansell just joined. It is $1 access right now until Halloween. $1, four quarters. That's, that feels like theft to me, but I'm just telling you, it's there right now until Halloween. I would get in on that. Okay, so I'll, le I'll leave that there in your court. So, Dylan Raiola, his RPM is leaning heavily towards Georgia. What do we make of this? 70% on the RPM is leaning towards Georgia. Got USC in the mix, got Nebraska in the mix. Rusty Mansell, like I just said a second ago, has joined on three, put in a pick for Dylan Raiola first day on the job. And the, the biggest thing that we can say about this is where there's smoke, there's fire. Okay, what I've come to deduce from situations like this are nothing is clear until the kid himself makes a commitment, but you, you trust the chatter just a little bit. The whispers, the picks, the RPM, it's all lean in Georgia. And it's not just lean in Georgia like 40%. It's lean in Georgia 70%. That means something, okay? Rusty Mansell doesn't just throw around picks. If he's picking Georgia for Dylan Raiola, I'm trusting that, okay? Again, it's not over till it's over, but I'm trusting that. So what I think we need to, to look at here is what would this mean for Georgia? What would this mean for the dogs to land the number one quarterback in the 2024 cycle? To me, it just means you ensure that that quarterback room is going to be stocked well into the future. You got Ryan Puglisi committed right now in the 2024 cycle. You got Gunnar Stockton sitting back there in that quarterback room. Brock Vandergriff said he's staying for right now. Carson Beck, you assume is going to be your starting quarterback right now, but for the future, Stockton, Puglisi, Raiola, if they were all to be in that same quarterback room, that would be dangerous, man. That would be extremely dangerous. And I think when you look at Georgia, what has been evolving over the course of the last couple of years what has really started to gain steam it's that offense right it's the offense that has really started to evolve the defense has really been solid for a minute here but the offense has been vicious I would say the offense is the reason why they won the national title a season ago to me that was what I thought about when I thought about Georgia hoisting that that hardware Stetson Bennett dealing Brock Bowers splitting the safeties 
And I think they're going to have a lot of weapons when it comes time for these guys to get on campus should Dylan Raiola commit to the dogs. But it just ensures that you have a quarterback that is not going to limit you offensively. As an offensive coordinator, if I'm Mike Bobo and I got Dylan Raiola playing quarterback for me, I'm thinking, okay, what do we want to call here? How do we want to attack this defense? Which is a very different mindset than an OC thinking, man, what can we call here? What are we able to call? Is our quarterback able to do X, Y, and Z? Dylan Raiola can make a lot of these big-time throws, a lot of off-platform throws. There's a reason why Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings here at On3, is high on him. Okay, and I'll be real with you. Charles Power don't miss. Men lie, women lie, Charles Power don't lie. Okay, so Dylan Raiola being able to do whatever you need a quarterback to do in this offense allows you then to maximize the skill players around him. Because there's going to be some skill players around Dylan Raiola. I promise you that. With the way that Georgia has recruited already, they're going to have some ballers around him. There's more to this, though. I'll tell you about it in just a second. Make sure you subscribe to the On3 YouTube channel. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. We appreciate y'all in advance for that. So like I said, there's already going to be a lot of talent around him if he were to commit. But if Dylan Raiola does commit, what did we see happen a summer ago? Arch Manning, it's breaking all over the news, is committed to Texas. Makes national headlines, big deal, big day for Texas. Awesome. They got their quarterback for the future. But that wasn't, that wasn't the, the biggest part of this. It's a big deal to get your quarterback. Don't get it twisted. But what I think is going to be most impactful for Texas in the future is who else came with Arch Manning. Because remember, we saw the avalanche of Texas commits after Arch Manning committed to the Longhorns. I think the same would be true should Dylan Raiola give his pledge to the dogs. People want to play with stud quarterbacks, man. That's just the reality. There's a reason why these quarterbacks go off the board early in the recruiting cycle. Because coaching staffs know, hey, we get the quarterback, we got our centerpiece for the rest of the class. Top wide receivers, they want to play with quarterbacks like Dylan Raiola. Offensive linemen want to block for quarterbacks like Dylan Raiola. Heck, defensive players. I want to know that when I get a three and out and I give the ball back to my offense, we got a quarterback that's going to get us points. It's an avalanche effect. And that's what I think you could see and would see should Dylan Raiola end up committing to Kirby Smart and the dogs. And I'm not going to spend too much time on the pitch that Georgia can make for Dylan Raiola. We've talked about that in multiple different videos. But to give you the summary, you go play for Kirby Smart, back-to-back -back national champion. You go play with the best players in the country with the level that Georgia recruits at. So you're on one of the best, if not the best roster in the country. You go play in the best conference in the country, which then, in relation to that, helps your draft stock because when it comes time for you to get drafted, there's no question around your level of competition and everyone's saying, yeah, he played in the SEC. I think he'll be okay. So for Dylan Raiola, again, the RPM is heavily leaning Georgia. Rusty Mansell put in the pick. 70% confidence level. I'm excited to see what happens here. But the top quarterback in the 2024 cycle currently is trending on the RPM towards Kirby Smart and the Dogs. Man, I'm telling you, a lot of these quarterback rooms across the country, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, like some of them just have first world problems. Just a luxurious question mark of, hmm, who do we want to start at quarterback? Want to start the five-star or the other five-star? For George, you want to start Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff? Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. Like, must be nice. 
I'll just say that. Must be nice. While we're rolling here, everyone tuned in live, make sure you get in your questions to the live chat. Nick Brake is holding it down. We've had some of y'all throw in the hashtag AskJD, which is not required, but definitely gets you noticed. So go ahead and get in, get in the chat and uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you want to talk about. All right, let's move on here to some more transfer portal talk. And I don't want to talk about guys that are in the portal right now or where different guys could transfer to and if they're a fit. We, we've talked about that. I want to talk about some of these impact transfers. I'll talk about some of these guys that could end up being impactful when it comes to the 2023 cycle, or the 2023 season, rather. And I want to start with Sam Hartman, quarterback at Notre Dame. Now, to be fair, you could make a very strong case for Sam Hartman being the top player in the transfer portal. It's not what this is about. That list isn't about the rankings of the transfer portal players. I'm talking about impact. Who could send the largest ripple effect when it comes to the 2023 season? And so for Sam Hartman, he probably checks both those boxes in terms of really good player, high impact. But think about Notre Dame. We've beat this drum here for a long time, really since he gave his pledge to the Fighting Irish. He makes Notre Dame, today, Junior, a college football playoff contender. Why? Because they return a bunch of production on defense. I told you, I think Jordan Patello is going to be a stud off the edge and help replace some of that production lost by Isaiah Foskey with rushing the passer. And then you bring back a ton in that running back room. So a defense that gave up right around, I think it was 22, 23 points a game. A running game that was close to 200 yards rushing a game. So I'm looking at this saying, okay, th this is a tough football team. This is a physical football team. They've got all the edge in the world. Do they have the finesse? Do they have the lightning to go with Thunder? Well, you add Sam Hartman, you add a compliment to the run game. If you score more points that way, you can put pressure and force the other offense to press and then tee it up for your defense. Like complimentary football to me is the phrase that comes to mind when I think of what Sam Hartman could be for the Fighting Irish in 2023. Remember this too. We've said this at nauseum as well. Tyler Buckner was still on the roster when Sam Hartman committed to Notre Dame. You had your starting quarterback from a season ago coming back to Notre Dame at that point in time, at least. Obviously, Tyler Buckner now going to compete for the starting job at Alabama. They didn't have to go get Sam Hartman, but they brought him in because they have expectations and aspirations to compete for things like a college football playoff berth. So keep an eye on Sam Hartman. I'm telling you, the impact of what he brings to that team cannot be overstated. Keep an eye on Jaden Greathouse, too. He went nuts in the spring football game. I don't know where he fits in the depth, but looks like he's going to contribute as a freshman and be a guy that helps step up in that wide receiver room. It's a very big piece of this for Sam Hartman as well. Okay, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following on Twitter, at Jody Pakel, on Instagram, at Jody Pakel, all that good stuff. Appreciate you all for that. Okay, another high-impact guy we got to talk about. I think he's one of the best-kept secrets in the SEC right now, and that's Dante Thornton wide receiver at Tennessee. He's transferring in from Oregon, but he's kind of that rare blend of both size and speed. Six foot five, can run like the wind. The rumors out of Knoxville, or, the, or say the, the rumblings out of Knoxville, are that he is a guy that will very, very quickly become an NFL prospect. Think about the production now that's left by Cedric Tillman going to the league and Jalen Hyatt going to the league. Brew McCoy's back, yes. Squirrel White, everyone expects to be a dog as well, but with Dante Thornton transferring in from Oregon, he's going to be a guy here that 
is put in position, I think very frequently by nature of this offense, to be in one-on-one, whether it be a corner or a safety, pick whichever way you want to lose, he's going to be a a one-on-one nightmare. He's too fast to play press. He's too big to just try and sit back and hope that you get a jump ball your way. Like he's, he's going to be every bit of a problem vertically, as I believe Cedric Tillman could have been last season for Tennessee. He's going to catch a lot of vertical routes, and he's going to be a mismatch for corners. Also, doesn't hurt that his quarterback this coming season in Joe Milton can throw the ball a quarter mile. So safeties, good luck trying to defend him vertically. I think he's going to be an absolute force in 2023. They're going to spread the ball a lot at Tennessee between him, Squirrel White, Ru McCoy, but Dante Thornton, I think, is just another weapon that this Tennessee offense is going to benefit from and a guy that you're going to hear a lot about come fall. A guy that we had on this show not too long ago. How about Bear, Bear Alexander transferring from Georgia to USC? Big D-tackle. I say D-tackle, defensive lineman, because he told us here, listen, I can play anywhere on that defensive line. One of the reasons I like USC is that I can do that. Six foot three, 305 pounds, played as a freshman at Georgia. He's going to wreck shop in the Pac-12, man. I'm just telling you this. USC had a major need on the defensive line. They needed to get tougher in the trenches, in the middle of that defensive line specifically. Bear Alexander checks that box with authority. Size, speed, power. Again, an SEC defensive lineman. Not to dunk on the Pac-12, but they're going to have some problems with, with a guy like Bear Alexander. And the reason why this is so impactful is USC, like I just said, it was an area of need. And if they just get tougher on that defensive line, they get tougher on defense, period. The offense is going to score a ton of points. This is not a novel take. This is not something that you haven't already heard before. But Barry Alexander in the middle of that defense, if they're able to just get 10% better, they're able to take away the narrative that USC isn't a tough football team up front. I think USC is competing for some exciting things in the fall. We'll predict USC when that time comes and to, as, as to where they end up in the college football playoff landscape, in the Pac-12 landscape. But I'm just saying, they could have used Bear Alexander against Utah. They could have used Bear Alexander against Tulane. And I'm not so sure that the outcomes of those games aren't different if you have Bear Alexander on your football team. So I'll leave it at that. Staying on the line of scrimmage, let's go to the offensive line of scrimmage now, or the offensive line, rather. Javian Cohen, interior offensive lineman, transferring from Alabama to Miami. Now, he was the number 22 player overall in the transfer portal, and the reason why I think he's so impactful is Miami a season ago could not run the ball, could not protect Tyler Van Dyke. Y'all that know this show, y'all that have tuned in for any length of time, you know how I feel about Tyler Van Dyke. I don't think he got magically worse from 2021 to 2022. I think a lot of it was the scheme. They've now changed to Shannon Dawson's way of doing things offensively, and I think it was the personnel around him. So Mario Cristobal, by nature of what he did in the portal and what he did on the recruiting trail, agrees, goes and gets a new OC, and goes and gets two offensive linemen through the portal, Javion Cohen being one of them, and gets Francis Malagoa to play right tackle. He's going to be a true freshman, but you feel really good about what he was able to do at the high school level at IMG, playing in some of the best competition in the country. Another guy that Charles Power is high on, says he's the most, off, or the most ready offensive lineman to play as a freshman in a deep 2023 cycle. So, again, Charles Power showing you why he has the track record that he does. 
if you can protect Tyler Van Dyke and you can run the football, good things are going to happen. Javion Cohen playing in the interior of that offensive line at the guard position is going to be a big piece of Miami taking a step forward in 2023. It's a pivotal year for Miami. Same thing I said about Auburn. What you're selling on the recruiting trail this time next year has a lot to do with the year that you have in 2023. If the offense can have a better push up front running the ball and you can protect Tyler Van Dyke and he has a better year and the offense puts up more points and you win more games, well, then you go from pitching for Miami, you win five games again, you say, oh, man, hey, come come be a part of this. Help us change the culture. Help us change the narrative around Miami and get us to where we want to go. But if you do those things that I just mentioned and Javion Cohen being a big part of that, then you say you see the trend. You see where Miami football is going. We're only in year two. We made massive improvement. Won eight games. Come be a part of this. I don't mean to overstate the importance of Javion Cohen, but I just think the impact of him on this team and what he could mean for this team and their success in 2023 is immense. And that's why we have him on one of our impact transfers here. Now, last guy I want to talk about, Desan McCullough. Listed as an edge at Oklahoma. He's going to play their cheetah position. I believe he's going to end up winning that position battle and be your starting cheetah on day one, which is kind of a linebacker defensive end hybrid. What Isaiah Simmons played for Brent Venables and Clemson's defense. He transferred in from Indiana. And to me, he just embodies the change in the defensive personnel at Oklahoma. They're going to be bigger. He's six foot five, 222 pounds. They're going to be faster. He's got a ridiculous three-cone drill. I think it's something in the high sixes. Going to be versatile. He's going to play, I would imagine, a lot of times rushing the passer. He's also going to play a lot, I think, dropping back and, and playing in man or zone and, and pass coverage. Like He can do a lot of things for you. And Brent Venable's defense, in a lot of ways, is predicated on that personnel being able to do multiple things. And Desan McCullough, like I just said, embodies that to a T. I think he's also going to be one of the breakout players in college football. But if Desan McCullough can elevate Oklahoma's defense or help elevate Oklahoma's defense as a whole with all the other pieces they've added to that defense, the offense, I think, is in good position, as I'm going to tell you here very, very shortly in our next segment. I think the offense is in great position. If they can be better on defense and get to the quarterback more frequently and just not have as many busted plays, to be honest with you, they're going to have a chance to do some good things in the Big 12. So, Desan McCullough, Javion Cohen, Bear Alexander, Dante Thornton, and the Wake Forest transfer, Sam Hartman to Notre Dame, all guys that are high-impact transfers and are going to be a part of their team's success in a big way in 2023. Transfer portal, man, it gives and it takes. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Yankee Swap that game you play at Christmas where everyone kind of has their own gift that they start with and then someone else steals it. It's kind of what the transfer portal feels like right now. Different guys jump in the portal. You were at one school, now you're at another school, and that's just the beautiful thing that college football is now with players getting to have some mobility there. Now, one guy that hit the portal a season ago from UCF and was going to go to UCLA, it was like a done deal, was going to UCLA, then ends up getting a call from his former offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, is Dylan Gabriel. You know how that story goes. Jeff Lebby took the OC job at Oklahoma. Says, Dylan Gabriel, we have some history. Why don't you come be my quarterback at Oklahoma? One thing leads to another, and he's going on his second year there. Now, before we get into this, Sooner Scoop is our new Oklahoma site here at On3. I want to I speak sort of softly as I say this, because I don't want everybody to know this, just y'all. 
and the All That Listen On podcast, uh, it's $1 access until Halloween. Okay, one of the most iconic sites in the entire industry covering Oklahoma. $1 access till Halloween. Again, that's Sooner Scoop. Get you a membership there. I promise you won't be sorry. Stay up to, to, to date and be in the know for everything Oklahoma Sooners. All right? Okay, now I'll speak at a normal volume. To give you my thesis for this segment, like I'm buying stock in Dylan Gabriel. I bought stock last year. I think I got pretty decent return on it. I'm buying even more stock on Dylan Gabriel in 2023 for a couple of reasons. And the first one being he's going to be more comfortable in 2023 given another season under Jeff Levy. Now, for those of y'all keeping track at home, this will be his third year with Jeff Levy. It'll be his fourth year in Jeff Levy's offense because they ran it another year at UCF after Jeff Levy left UCF. And why is this so important? I cannot express to you how crucial it is that your quarterback and your offensive coordinator be on the same page. It's like thinking with both sides of your brain when they're on the same page. You're able to know what your quarterback likes, what he doesn't like. Hey, we go up tempo. I know to call these plays for you because that's your skill set, and that's what we talked about during our meetings, and that's what I know you like given our history together. Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel have a lot of history, and that's going to pay enormous dividends in 2023. I think it paid some dividends last year, but taking even another step to go in your third year, like, pause really quick on this. Y'all that, you know, remember your high school days, you didn't really hit your stride till your third year on campus, till you were a junior. That's when you really kind of found, you know, your, your social groove and kind of found your, your really good friends and you've probably figured it out a little bit more academically. Like, in theory, Dylan Gabriel is going into his junior year in this offense, not his junior year in college. He's been around the block a time or two, but it's his third year in Jeff Levy's scheme. I think this is the year where he really finds his, glue, his, his groove in, in a new level, and I think this is something that we just see the offense, again, astronomically just take off in a new way. Again, Sooner Scoop, $1 till Halloween. Get your membership there. I promise you, you will not be sorry. All right? So the other piece of this, I think the defense is going to be much better. You say, J.D., you're telling me you're buying stock in Dylan Gabriel. Why are you talking about the defense? Defense has got its own problems. I want to hear you talk about Dylan Gabriel. I understand that. I'm going to here in just a second. But the defense a season ago, y'all, it allowed 30 points a game. 30 points a game. You know how hard it is to call an offense when your defense gives up 30 points a game? You are just consistently in chase mode. Coach, they're going to score 30-plus. We got to find a way to score 30-plus. Otherwise, we're not winning this football game. That's a tough situation to be in Saturday and Saturday out. And so if the defense ends up improving, like you and I both believe they will, I say you and I, those of y'all that are in Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, and feel good about the direction of Brent Venables and his personnel, feel like they're going to improve, that puts much less pressure on the offense. It puts much less pressure on Dylan Gabriel and this offense to have to press. Because when you're not able to just sit back and play your game because you're worried about what the defense is going to do, it throws you off. It throws you off your rhythm. And so if the defense improves like how you and I both believe it will, again, there's that you and I, then the offense gets to find their rhythm and Dylan Gabriel gets to dictate terms. And that would be crucial for them in 2023. That'd be crucial for the direction of, of Oklahoma as a whole. But Dylan Gabriel improving, I think, is right in line with how the defense is going to improve. Now, here's the big variable. Here's the, the big if. I think all this is true if 
the skill positions do what they should do in 2023. And I'll start with the run game. The run game is A+. Those of y'all that know Jeff Levy's scheme, he's going to go up-tempo, he's going to spread you out, kind of like Josh Heupel does, but they're going to run the football a lot. And last year, they averaged over 200 yards a game at Oklahoma. Javante Bards, Gavin Sawchuk, two guys that I think are one of the most slept on, one-two punch in the country, definitely in the Big 12. Run game is going to be A+. plus. Okay, So running the football will set up those safeties to kind of creep up and try and play in the box and, and try and take that away. So what does that mean? It means there's more green grass to throw to, but your receivers have to win. Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy's success will be dependent on guys like Jaleel Farouk, uh, Andrew Anthony, the transfer from Michigan. They have to be what we think they're going to be in 2023. The offense is built on, hey, wide receivers, if you win your one-on-one matchup, then we win as a team because we're scoring a lot of points. So I'm excited for those guys, but they're going to be very crucial to the success that I think Dylan Gabriel could have. But I can't stress this enough. The fact that he's going into his third year with Jeff Lebby. I believe that was a big part of Dylan Gabriel coming back. I believe that was a big part of his decision to go to Oklahoma. No, duh. This is going to be a good year for Dylan Gabriel, I'm telling you. And Oklahoma is in a tricky position where they're headed to the SEC in 2024. This is a statement year for them. I truly believe that. It's only their second year into Brent Venables, and they're still trying to figure things out with you know, who they are under him. But I think this is a statement year for them. And I think Dylan Gabriel leads that charge for Oklahoma in 2023. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. Man, I'm telling you, the, the fan sites here at On3 are rolling. Absolutely rolling. Like I said, Dogs HQ and Sooner Scoop, $1 access till Halloween. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? No, not kidding you at all. All right, now hopefully we've been getting active in the chat here. A lot of y'all been getting that Nick break. Just open dialogue here. It's a college football community. We want to hear from you. So without further ado, bringing on the keeper of the queue, Nick Heavy Lifter Break, to answer some of your questions. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, man? We've got quite a few questions, so we'll get started. Uh, we got Harrison Sanchez. My question, uh, with DJ Lagaway committing, why do you think Florida, Florida is struggling with the O-line recruiting? I think it's one of those things where it just takes a little bit of time. DJ Lagway committing is a very nice centerpiece for your offense to build from. I mean, remember, we got a long time here until we get to that early signing period in December, and then even longer until we get to February for that really final, quote-unquote, what used to be the normal signing period. So I wouldn't be too concerned just yet. It's still very, very early, but you got your quarterback, which is, I think, the most important part of it right now. So... Florida fans, sit tight. I'm still trusting Billy Napier. I think there's more than what meets the eye going on at Florida. But I'll say this, too. Some success in 2023 would not hurt in the slightest. Would not hurt in the slightest and give you some uh, encouragement about where that whole operation is heading under Billy Napier. Yeah. Great question, Nick. Mm-hmm. That's a good start. Uh, Briley uh, says, which team outside of the way too early top 25 is most likely to finish the season as a ranked team. Uh, which team, this is a lot to, to answer, which team currently perceived as a top 10 team finishes 2023 unranked? That's the part of it, J.D., I think is really cool. Okay, question. interesting. So who's in the top 10? So I'll be honest with you, Nick. There's a lot of way too early top 25s. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. One that I would imagine 
which is outside the mm-hmm. top 25 right now that I think could finish ranked. I think that Miami has a really good chance okay. to finish ranked. I, I really do. I mean, I think the improvement they made on the O-line and Tyler Van Dyke being your quarterback and, and the way that it's all meshing right now, I, I'd be excited to see them finish in the top 25. Um, in terms of teams that are in the top 10 right now that could finish unranked, man, they're trying to get us in trouble here, Nick. They're trying to get us in trouble here. Team that's in the top 10 that will finish outside the top 25. I can't remember who's in that I'm trying to even 10. think who would be in your way to early top 25 that I would put outside the, the, the ranked category. You know what? We'll table that one. We'll come back to yeah. it. And a uh, it's, a, it's a great question, but I, I, I don't want to speak uninformed here, Nick. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll table that for now. Uh, I don't blame you, Jay. I don't blame <laughs> you. These stay up here forever. Look at us um, showing some growth, huh? Yeah. Some maturity by us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aaron Atkinson asks, uh, what are your expectations for Arkansas this year? I'm excited for Arkansas. I really am. KJ Jefferson, another year. The secondary is kind of what concerns me, given all their struggles a season ago. Here's my philosophy just when it comes to returning quarterbacks in general, especially guys like KJ Jefferson. I think KJ Jefferson is going to give Arkansas a chance to be in every game they play in. I really do. They may not have as much hype as they had a season ago because of all the weapons they had on the outside, but if they can replace some of those pass catchers and shore up the back end of the defense, KJ Jefferson's a stud. He's, he's going to give you a chance Saturday in and Saturday out. So the SEC is brutal. I don't envy anybody having to play that schedule, but Arkansas, I think with KJ Jefferson at quarterback, you're always going to be in the mix. So a good mm-hmm. question. Very good question. Um, Callup, thank you very much. What do you think of Peyton Thorne at A&M? Ooh, Peyton Thorne at A&M. Um, it's intriguing. I really think the Connor Wegman era is underway at A&M. And for Peyton Thorne, he's got two years left. He could be eligible after this year. I don't think it makes a ton of sense in my mind for him to go to College Station and, and try and fight for that job. It, it'd be phenomenal for us, man. We'd, we'd talk about it till we're blue in the face, but... Don't know that I see that. I like him much more at one of those SEC schools that need him. It sounds like Auburn is is pretty intrigued with him. Again, I, I'm a Casey Thompson guy, like I said earlier in the show, but it sounds like at the very least they're going to try to get Peyton Thorne on a visit here soon. So that's where I stand on that. But uh, Peyton Thorne, man, he, he's one of the more slept-on prospects right now in the transfer portal. Again, mm-hmm. the, the number one available quarterback for us here at On3 in the transfer portal. Yeah. So, the, the, the value of what he brings to the table, I think, is skyrocketing because a lot of programs right now are scrambling to find their quarterback. And when the portal closes up shop, Nick, it's done, man. So the names are the names outside of the grad transfers that can still enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Peyton Thorne's going to make somebody happy and uh, going to elevate some quarterback room in a substantial way. I agree. Yeah, well said. Uh, LR22. This is a question that you're going to like to answer because you love talking about this team. Uh, what are real expectations for Jeff Sims in Nebraska this year? You just team me up and say, you know, I love talking about this team. Yeah, you do. It's fun to talk I about do. Nebraska. I, I do though. love. It's an yeah. awesome program. It's a program, J.D. It's a program. You're not wrong, <laughs> Nick. You're not wrong. Man, I do love me some Matt Rule. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Who doesn't? Who, I mean, there's probably a fair amount of people in Big Ten country that would like to see, uh, see Nebraska down for the count. But... <laughs> When it comes to Jeff Sims, we talked about it a little bit on our one-off video yesterday, but I just think his tools are so intriguing. And we kind of got to see those come together in the spring football game, even though it's practice 15, even though it doesn't count for anything. 
I thought he looked sharp. And he was dinged up at times against uh, at Georgia Tech, and he was a little bit inconsistent downfield. So the encouraging thing to me is now he has the entire offseason and going in the fall camp as being the guy. I'm all for competition, but I think with the situation Jeff Simmons is in right now, and I think the year one nature of Matt Rule in Nebraska, I like them having a leader at quarterback, and I think that's going to bode well for them. So expectations for Jeff Sims are probably the same that Matt Rule has. Don't turn the ball over. Okay, get us in a good position and be special with your physical gifts. That was why so many people were excited about him out of the portal, even with what you didn't see from him statistically at Georgia Tech. Rocket arm, big body, good athlete. Like all three of those, if we can get all three of those in our room, regardless of where we are, we're going to have a good chance. Whatever team we are, we have a big body quarterback, good athlete, rocket arm. Like, okay, we, we can work with that. That gives me some room to work. But mm-hmm. Jeff Sims is going to be fun to watch. Okay, yeah. Uh, this next question, I think it's the last one. Uh, it, it's kind of a getting ahead of ourselves, but at the same time, it's really not. Uh, I'll give you a little context. Corey Williams, does Georgia land the best recruiting class ever in 2024? Wow. <laughs> it sounds absurd, ever? but I mean, if they can land Dylan Riola. Hey, man. Rusty Mansell mm-hmm. put in a pick, 70% confidence for the dogs to land Riola. I'll say this. If they land Raiola, that's a nice start. Best ever is pretty lofty, so I'm, I'm not going to lean into that hype too, too much. But listen, Georgia, with the roster they have right now, with the way that Kirby Smart has built that thing, it's almost running itself. If they continue to keep that culture intact, it's coach-fed, player-led, and, and that's going to be the way that Georgia continues to stay great, continues to be a team that's competing for a national title every single year. So... The talent itself, I don't think, will ever be in a place, as long as Kirby Smart's there, where they're not able to compete for national titles. But I'll just say this. I think Georgia, with what they have right now and the way they're trending in the 2024 cycle, if they finish within that top three, top five, like they're going to be able to compete for anything they want to compete for by nature of what I just said. Culture, talent level, development, all already in place in Athens. And I don't expect the 2024 cycle to detract from that in the slightest, Nick. Okay, JD, that's all the questions. I do want to say shout out to JH22. I haven't seen them in the chat for a while. Okay, uh, They've been back living it up here today, so we appreciate you being here. And everyone else, uh, thanks for coming, JD. Yeah, I'll man. see you Thursday. Salute to JH22, then getting active in the chat. Folks, before we get out of here, go ahead and like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. Last plug I'll do for this, Sooner Scoop, Dogs HQ, $1 access till Halloween. Those are both our fan sites under the On3 umbrella for Georgia at Dogs HQ and the Oklahoma Sooners at Sooner Scoop. I promise you they will keep you in the know. Also, we launched a YouTube channel, the On3 Roundtable, where we're sitting down, chopping it up with just the absolute goats in their respective markets. We have Brent Hubs from Tennessee, a video out with him. We had Rusty Mansell. I think that video is actually out right now on that YouTube channel. So go throw that channel a subscription as well. It's free 99 and is just a great, great platform where you get to hear from some of, like I just said, the best in the industry in their respective fields. So we'll be right back here Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Go ahead and hit the bell on this channel to make sure that you know when we go live. College football, they play games in the fall, but it's a year-round affair. And y'all that tune into this show, you're junkies just like us. And we love you so freaking much for that, okay? This college football community is special, and we appreciate y'all being a part of it. For Nick Break, the heavy lifter, for everyone here at On3, I'm J.D. Pacal. 
We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.